Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am super excited to have Linda Backman on the show. Linda is a psychologist, researcher, author, and hypnotic regression therapist. She has been in private practice for over 40 years. Through hypnotic regression, she has guided thousands of clients to access their past lives and the time between lives, helping them to surface and understand the challenges of their souls, which are repeated life to life. Dr. Backman conducts training courses on past life and between lives regression. Convinced that our collective healing has an impact on the evolution of humanity and the unity of all peoples, she has made the understanding of the, pri- of the soul her priority. Linda studied and co-taught with Dr. Michael Newton. Dr. Backman founded the Raven Heart Center in Boulder, Colorado in 1997, where she regularly teaches the practice of soul regression hypnotherapy to practitioners. She is deeply focused on the development of a universal understanding and awareness of soul evolution. Dr. Backman is the author of Bringing Your Soul to Light and The Evolving Soul and Souls on Earth. Her books have been translated into several languages. Welcome to the program. Is it okay if I call you Linda? Would you rather Dr. Backman? No, no, it's totally fine to call me Linda. Great, great. Thank you so much for for coming on the show. So let's just let's just jump right in. I'd love to hear about you. I know I just read your bio, but you know, also a little bit about how you grew up and how you became a psychologist and then doing the kind of work that you're doing today. Okay, well, I will not tell you my whole life story. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have that much time. I'll, (laughs) I'll, you know, put it in small little pieces. Great. Um, Well, how I how I became a psychologist is a little bit different and came before stepping into the kind of spiritual work that I do now. So um, how I became a psychologist uh, back in my 20s, uh, about age 25, I was pregnant with our second baby. Uh, That was a challenging pregnancy. It was a kind of a touch and go sort of pregnancy. And by the time I reached 26 weeks um, of an average 40 week pregnancy, um, I delivered that baby at 26 weeks and he lived a few hours and passed. And that didn't that didn't catapult me into uh, being spiritual at that point. But what it did sort of basically, and and catapult, I think is probably a good word. Um, I discovered grief, I discovered loss. um, I I discovered what we go through when we've had a a child die. Um, And so I became, I'll say passionate, and in some ways fascinated with 
the, with grief. What, what, what happens when we're grieving a loss? And in particular, what happens when um, we're dealing with the loss um, of a child? So that returned me back to school and back to graduate school. And that in making this a very short story, which it's not so short necessarily, but that's what led me to ultimately um, gain my doctoral degree um, and become a licensed psychologist. So then I worked for about 12 to 15 years in general private practice doing grief work with people but I also was doing all kinds of counseling, as you would imagine private practice looks like, which I enjoyed. Then, so all that started when I was 25. When I, yeah, when, about 20 years later, I'm, <laughs> I always tell the story this way. I'm minding my own business as a psychologist, um, married, have children, um, and my original psychologist colleague with whom um, I built a group practice of psychologists and psychiatrists, sadly, in his early 30s, when I was in my mid 40s, he died from a type of lung cancer. Prior to that, that happening and what came after, um, I, I, I didn't really understand, Marla, I didn't understand the soul, I didn't understand reincarnation, um, I wasn't into that kind of thing. When he passed within about 48 hours, I was convinced he was talking to me from the other side. I, I was fully convinced I was receiving communication from him. His nickname was Bud. And along with just sensing his energy and his presence, I truly believed that he was showing me images of scenes of past lives we had shared. So I thought, again, being silly, but serious, I thought either something really, you know, psychologically unbalanced is going on for me, which I honestly didn't have the symptoms of that kind of thing. So I said to my husband, here's what I'm experiencing. My husband had known my colleague. Um, they were golfing friends. I said, here's what's going on for me. And at that point, I think we'd been married about 20, 25 years I explained to my husband what was going on and he looked at me very calmly and I looked back at him and I said, I could tell by the look on his face, I said, you don't think this is strange what's coming out of my mouth, do you? And he said, no. And I said, why don't you think this is really weird? Because we'd never spoken about soul reincarnation and that sort of thing. And here's what he said. He said, only now do I remember, did he remember something that occurred for him as a child. And he said, when I was a boy growing up, now I recall, um, he said, I remembered my past lives in detail. I knew they were real somehow. Um, I, was, I was accessing details of my past lives. And he said, but I just tucked that all away because I figured who in the heck is gonna believe me um, about this? And so um, he forgot about it. He just kind of, you know, repressed it and never spoke about it again and forgot. Fascinating. Yeah. So he just basically said, if you're, and he's not a psychologist, um, he's spent uh, almost 30 years as an academic in political science. Um, he said, if you're interested in this, go for it, go read about it, go study. I'll go with you. I won't go with you. Um, and so that was the door 
uh, that opened. I'm sure, Marla, now that that was my higher self and my guides, you know, sort of offering up this option, you know, it's kind of putting this out here in front of me and saying, Linda, what do you want to do with this? And that's how the journey began. Wow. That's so fascinating that he said that. <laughs> how yeah. often would that ever happen? It wouldn't happen in this in this household. It's just fascinating. And then that the two of you ended up together. Well, and I think, you know, what when I and what I want listeners to hear too, the wisdom is that my spiritual guides and his spiritual guides really were collaborating. Yes. They knew what would get triggered with him. And, uh, you know, obviously now the journey is 30 years later because the event I just described happened almost exactly uh, 29 years ago. So they, they, and we all have guides, Mm -hmm. they, they knew what strings they were plucking and, um, yeah, so they were aware of his spiritual interests. He had just tucked it all away. You know, it's really interesting because I interviewed um, Dr. Um, Tobin Hart, and he's a psychologist, and he was talking about his four-year-old little girl one night, started talking about her angels. And without going into detail, she um, she said, well, my angel knows your angel. That's when he he started really listening, like, wow. It's not that she just wants to stay up later. And um, yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, like what you're talking about. I love that. So let's talk about past life regression. Can you you define it or tell us what it is and why you find it helpful for others and yourself? Yes. Um, and, and I'll just say to listeners um, that I guide two types of regression. Yes. Uh, so they know that. And I'll explain the difference. Um, so we'll start with past life, what I call past life soul regression. So essentially what that means is um, guiding the client to relax. Almost 99% of clients I work with have no trouble Um, gaining information, because that's always a worry that clients have. Mm -hmm. So I guide the client to relax. um, And the bottom line is that the client is going to discover with my support, except the clients receiving the the information intuitively, I'm not operating as a a channel. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with people that are very capable channels. So the client is going to discover in detail a, a past life of theirs that relates directly to their life today. And it relates to dir- directly either to something they're balancing from a past life or what we would call karma that we need to release and balance, or it relates to something they accomplished in a past life then in life today, they don't give themselves credit for accomplishing. So, mm-hmm. so, so, you know, so many people think, oh my gosh, if, if I have a past life regression, I'm going to discover that I did something horrible, horrible. Right. That's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Um, so the past life is chosen by the client's guides and it's a life they need to know about that's having some effect, some relationship to their current life. 
It's could be tied to people in their life, could be tied to a fear they need to release, could be tied to a health issue that needs to be let go of, but also can be tied to a skill they have that they're sort of trying to push aside that's been there since past life. It could be tied to um, something they've accomplished in the past that in life today, they feel like they can't accomplish and, 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 and past lives build on one another. That's how our soul evolves. So if we've already accomplished being a committed parent or accomplished comfortable abundance or whatever, that, that capability is essentially uh, embedded in the cellular memory of our soul. So that's past life regression. Interesting. So I've had a few past life regressions, but just a general question. Let's say that someone is comfortably abundant, um, well said, in this life. And do you find sometimes that people then want to learn that they, they are then, they live a life in extreme poverty to learn the opposite? Yes, um, not because they necessarily need to live in poverty now, but yes, that their fears, their worries, their avoidances of, well, I can't buy that because it's too expensive or, you know, what I can't, you know, I've always wanted to travel to X place, but I really shouldn't spend the money. Um, if, If they've had a life of extreme poverty, it may be you might say holding them back today and their guides want them to not let that, you might say the trauma of the past life um, kind of weave its way into current life that it's, that trauma is over and complete. Right. And um, so is it always therapeutic for the patient? Sounds like it would be. I, I love that you're asking that Marla, the bottom line is it is, always intended to be therapeutic. It is not like, oh, let me just go see if I had a life where I lived in Egypt and, you know, da, 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 da. It's what's the purpose of the content of the regression? How is it meant to help the client in life today? So what kind of clients, um, what kind of help do they come to you for in terms of wanting a past life regression, and we'll get to in between lives here in sure, a bit, sure. versus going to a medium or something like that. Um, it, it, it is just so broad. Sometimes it's, they have an unexplained fear that they want to release, or they have um, an unexplained physical symptom that Every time they go to, you know, two or three doctors, there's nothing that they find that's wrong. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's related to um, issues, struggles. Um, Sometimes it's pure curiosity. And there's nothing, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, People are just like, I'm fascinated with, I've just learned about reincarnation, or I'm fascinated with spirituality. And I just want to go see what I'll learn about past lives. Uh, You know, it can be related to a relationship, one that is fantastic. So have they known that person before or a problem in a a friendship, 
um, uh, a family relationship and that sort of thing. So people come for, you know, all kinds of reasons. What I'll say, and I, I always find this um, fun, fascinating, revelatory, when the client comes for actually either regression, they, I would say nine times out of 10, learn useful information about themselves and about their current life and things that tie to past lives that it's almost like their guides. You know, I do this sort of thing. Sort of like the guides get kind of all excited. It's like, okay, I, you know, guides, I think about guides, just like humans guides think, okay, what kind of information will help if you were my client, Marla will help Marla the most that they've never even thought about. So I have clients who learn things, positive, useful, beneficial things that they really didn't come to learn that that wasn't their intention, but their guides have used the um, impetus of, you know, the interest in, in scheduling the regression to give them a much bigger picture of themselves. Right. Interesting. And so this is sort of downloaded into the, the client, even though maybe they've never had any spiritual work or anything like that. It's just, it's just there for them. Yes. And it, it, you know, what, what a lot of clients, if they've never had a regression before Mm -hmm. um, have a hard time accepting is that we're all capably intuitive in terms of gaining information about ourself and information that um, comes from our spiritual guide, so that it, you know the person may not be some you know well-skilled uh, medium or channel that can stand on a stage and you know give valid information, but we all have the ability to yes. tap into our own soul and our own guides. Mm-hmm. So Linda, did did this kind of work help you understand um, about the baby that you that passed when you were when you were really young? That's a great question, and I always believe that when I'm doing something like this, sometimes the questions are downloaded into your brain mm-hmm. because they are yeah. questions that 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 are useful to ask. Um, Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's been a very long time now, of course, since that pregnancy and, and, and baby was born and, and passed, but yes, I came to understand um, many things, but uh, to try to give a simple answer, I came to understand that I had had some past lives where I had children and I wasn't sufficiently committed to raising those children. I was more into my own needs Mm -hmm. um, than being as involved a parent as I needed to be. So this is not the whole explanation, but a piece of it is I needed to experience that loss. Essentially the soul of the baby agreed, a soul agreed to be attached to that child and to, uh, you might say, serve up um, an opportunity for me to deepen, to uh, release 
uh, actions of past lives. Now, I, but by the time uh, I already had an older child um, at that time, a, a child that was two and a half, and it, it, and and I think most people that know me would agree with this. I was already a committed parent in current life, yes. but but there was a deepening um, that needed to happen for me. And I think most people would understand that life can be like, how do I want to put this? Our, our life can be beneficial sandpaper, if I can put it that way, yeah. that those most challenging experiences are usually the greatest opportunity to to move forward. And it was challenging. I mean, I went through four months of every two to five days, I uh, threatened to miscarry. And um, yes, I was balanced. The bottom line to your, your question is I was balancing my own yes. past lives. Yeah. You met before we get into um, between lives, um, you mentioned karma and, you know, everyone has a different definition of karma. So what, what is exactly karma and how does it work in our, in our lives? That's also a great question and, and <laughs> fairly simple to, to answer. So karma means that when we were incarnate in a prior life, we used our free will to make choices of, of actions and behaviors that were not the most useful. And so, you know, I think about it like, I always use silly analogies. So, you know, on Monday, if you're an elementary school child on Monday, you get your spelling words. And on Friday, you're expected to pass the spelling test. But maybe on Tuesday and Thursday, there's a practice um, spelling test. And so, you you get those words, you study them, and let's just say let's just say on Tuesday you have to take a practice spelling test, and you get four right and six wrong, and but then you get another chance on Thursday. So it's like we can trip and fall, trip and fall right. and um, make inappropriate choices, but ultimately we are expected to learn our spelling words and pass the test, or we ex we are expected to realize we need to work harder to grow and evolve as a soul and clean up that karma, which is free will action. I see. So Linda, do you, um, I'm not going to say, do you believe, are there specific entry points and exit points in terms of birth and death for people? Ooh, that's, that's a, Cool question. Um, so, are you are you are you saying, Marla? Um, do we choose as a soul, sort of when to come into body and when to leave that body? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Answer is yes. Um, the more evolved. Okay. So, as a soul, when we're not incarnate, um, we are we. We exist in the what we might call the spiritual realm. Yes. Um, our guides, we all have spiritual guides. Our guides will say to us when we're not incarnate, you know, okay, I'm going to back up an extra step. Um, and maybe this has already been clear 
in what I've been saying. We, we are required to evolve. It's like children are required to be educated. So we're educated primarily in the body, not out of body. So our guides, if we're, if we're a young soul, our guides will say, okay, Linda soul, or okay, Marla soul. We, we really think soon another embodiment um, it's time for another embodiment. Um, Then we have the opportunity to plan. We, We sit down with our guides, we create a life plan and then we come into body. Um, And yes, when we're incarnate um, at the soul level, we have the choice of, is that life going to last for, you know, 67 years? Is it going to last for 97 years? Um, And at times, as as hard as it is to have a a child die, at times there is intention and purpose um, for someone to live 13 years, 22 years, um, it is possible that we can we that we may have completed our life contract, mm-hmm. even at what seems to be way too young from a human vantage point. Right, right. So let's talk about um, between life regressions. What what is that? Okay. Um, so, uh, it's, it's an extend, you, you might call it an extended regression or, uh, goes beyond past life. So a, what I call a between life soul regression is first step is relaxation. Second step is discovering a past life. And just as it happens in a past life regression, we go all the way to the final scene of the past life. We go all the way to when the client dies in the past life, which I do in just a past life regression as well. But the between life soul regression at the point of dying in the past life and the soul leaving that past life body, which is far easier than humans might think. Um, then we follow that natural soul journey. We follow that slice of the soul that caused that past life person to be alive, caused us to be be alive in our past life. That fractal, that slice of our soul speeds up its frequency, leaves the physical body when the physical body is no longer functioning and returns to the spiritual realm and basically steps back into the the totality of the soul or reconnects with the higher self. And then in the regression, we work with guides. Guides always have benevolent information like, how did I plan my current life? Who are the souls I've incarnated with before? Um, For what reason do I have this uh, health issue? What am I supposed to learn from it? Uh, and the client brings questions to the regression. So the remainder of the regression is working at the client's soul level. Interesting. Back to my previous question um, about this, the contract coming in to, when you come into the earth and when you, when you leave this earthly realm. What about something like all the COVID deaths? and the young people that have have passed from that or other things. Is it that what I've 
what I have become to trust is that the ex the, there are possibly there are more than there are more than one there is more than one exit point. Yeah. <laughs> However, it is within that time frame. So in other words, let's say a 32-year-old passed from COVID, if it wouldn't have happened that way, it probably would have happened some other way in still that sort of time range of being around that age. What do you think about that? Yes, I think in the case of um, a pandemic or a large natural disaster or what's going on in the country of Ukraine, when there are that many uh, souls leaving their bodies, I think in many cases, it's an unplanned leaving. It's an unplanned dying. As different from, um, how can I say it? So when there's a large group of souls and it's, it's not just uh, you know, a car accident happens and everybody else lives, but one person dies. Then I think that is very possibly that the soul of that one person who passed, um, it was their time. Right, right. But in the case of huge numbers like the pandemic, I think it's an unplanned passing mm -hmm. and it just happens that way. Now, of course, I'm sure, you know, listeners would expect me, you know, to, to say and add this piece in that, you know, souls can, they, they can almost not exactly turn around within five minutes, but um, a soul that passes um, could begin an incarnation theoretically five weeks later, five months later, five years later. So it, it, it you know, I think the, the hard part is, we always have to be careful not to be too cut and dried from a human vantage point. Right. On the other hand, I never want to minimize the trauma to family and friends yeah. of having someone pass. Yeah. Yeah. I interviewed Carol Bowman. She was my first person I interviewed and um, she worked with Jim Tucker and Ian Stevenson and, and children talking a lot about a lot about past lives. And one thing they talked about, which I heard you talk about, and you mentioned it earlier, is about fears or about phobias. And she had a story actually about her little boy who was five and he had this horrible fear. He had this terrible eczema and this horrible fear of booming. I mean, to the point where it was debilitating and uh, I guess she had a hypnosis person over one night, <laughs> I don't know, for her girlfriends or something, but he said, she mentioned this to her and, or she mentioned it to him. And he said, you know, do you mind if I just spend a little bit of time? And she was right there and, and, and took the child, I guess, through a past life regression, which is much different. And the phobia was gone. Yeah it left and then the eczema disappeared. Yeah. And 
that was one of the first stories she told. So can you talk, I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but as you talk, I, <laughs> I have all these questions. So talk about phobias and how past life regressions can help those, what you found, maybe you have a story. Well, and I'll just say, I, I've known Carol Bowman for years. And have you? Know, yeah, know she's her great. personally and know her wonderful work. So, yeah. Um, well, if we, I want to be sure to touch on a couple of things that, that you've said. Um, so if we have a phobia that really is unexplained in life today, it's not like we have enough uh, current life uh, issues, something that happened in current life that would explain it, that the phobia just seems um, too extensive yes. to be related to current life, then it is almost a sure thing that it's related to past life. And, um, and as you said, which I'm so glad you used that example, we can literally have physiological mm. ramifications of that past life. And so, you know, is it, is it a guarantee that once we latch onto the past life that explains the phobia, is it a guarantee that the fear is completely gone and maybe the physical symptoms are completely gone? No. I mean, at, at times it does work that way, mm -hmm. but what I find for people, even if it's not completely gone, um, coping with it and, 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 and having an explanation takes away that almost kind of crazy feeling of why do I worry about this, but there's no reason to worry about it. Right. So that, that it, that is how it works. Yeah. That does make, that is so true when you have sometimes even a diagnosis or you have a reason for the way you, you know, you react it, it turns the table. It just, it can change everything. What about Linda? I heard you in another interview um, talk a little bit about um, going into a past life and asking about gender, about, you know, why you would come in. I hate to say, why would you? Because it's beautiful being, you know, sexually orientated in a different way or transgender, but what, what have you learned about that? Well, I think what okay. you said on the interview, what you were talking about was that we, the, the souls, we really strive to be non-gender. We really strive to be more androgynous than we do one or the other. So could you just comment on that? Yes, um, I think there's a number of things um, to say about that. One is our soul does not have a gender. Yes. So our, <laughs> you know, I think it's important for people to think about that. Our soul is, is androgynous. And, and so our soul is not male or is not female. Now our soul, we may have experienced, okay, um, uh, virtually always, if we're a woman today, we've been a man in the past and vice yes. versa. Um, and, and our soul may have experienced more male lives than female lives, but nonetheless, we've experienced both. Um, if, if I work with a client who is, let's just say, LGBTQ, what I know in my head is that 
almost for sure I'm working with a rather experienced soul. Mm-hmm. Because that soul has agreed before they came into body to push the envelope of society. That soul has agreed to push our humanly, if I can put it this way, ridiculous assumptions of there's something wrong with you if you happen to be LGBTQ. Um, And so that is almost always, if if people think about soul evolution, I'd like to make this a little left-brained. We evolve step by step by step as we grow and evolve. It can take 10, 20, 25 lives of living our soul intentions. We might say to go from level one to level two or level two to level three. But if I'm working with someone who fits that LGBTQ um, framework or that 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 whole part of our of our world, um, I know I'm not working with a young soul because a young soul wouldn't take on that agreement. And if someone is within that that group of people, um, if they they've also had. Um, heterosexual lives. Yes. Yeah. It, it, you know, that what has happened for me over the course of about 28 years of guiding regression and 40 plus years of being a, a, a psychologist is that my understanding of soul has just broadened and broadened and broadened by way of my clients. So I'll just add in, we can go down this road if, if, if you like. But what I've learned over the course of all these years of regression work is that there are souls that are designed primarily to incarnate in the human body. There are souls that are designed primarily to not incarnate in the human body. And those are either souls that come from somewhere in the greater spiritual realm that the frequency that is not earth or those are souls could be that come from the angelic realm. So I've come to understand there are basically three, I call it soul origin. There are three types of souls that are conceived in the divine realm. Those that typically, not always, but typically embody in these human bodies on earth and then interplanetary souls. That's the term mm-hmm. I've been given coming from somewhere in the universe but coming to earth because they've been my, my clients and their third category, there are souls that originate in the angelic realm that serves divine energy. And do they come? Some, some of them come to the earth. Yeah, I've learned about them through my clients who happen to be angelic souls. Wow. Interesting. What is kind of the ratio of the different souls that, or what, what do you think on, on this earthly planet? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, what I've learned, Marla, is that if we think about the entirety of the human population of, of you know, souls on earth, um, only approximately 5% of embodied souls on earth are in the advanced category. And if we put numbers on that, somewhere between a seven and a nine, So only 5% of humans are advanced souls. Mm -hmm. Then we have to take that 5% and split it apart. 
about two and a half of that 5% are what I call earth-based souls. And I want to be sure people aren't hearing me say, because it's often people miss mishear this. I'm not saying earthbound because earthbound implies a stuckness, implies a someone died and their soul isn't moving on. That's okay. that, that's not what I'm saying. I, the term is earth-based, meaning the soul was designed to incarnate most of the time in the human body. So about two and a half of that 5% are earth-based souls. And then the other, the remaining two and a half percent of the 5% has to be split in half, about half our interplanetary souls that are always advanced if they come here. That's the only reason they come here. And the other, you know, one and a quarter percent approximately are angelic realm souls. Angelic realm souls come to earth because their energy is... um, the the uh, going to say that the na- the nature maybe that's the best way to put it the nature of an angelic soul's energy is pure love and compassion pure we might call it right brained love and compassion is that like what you would term the bodhisattvas from buddhism well my i mean i'm not heavily heavily steeped in buddhism but my understanding of the term bodhisattva is that that implies a highly evolved soul of any type. Okay. That's what I think that term means. Right, right. Well, I know it's someone who could, well, what I've learned is that they have made the decision. Well, here's the the little story is the first Bodhisattva. It was, uh, I think it was feminine, but it wasn't because it was a soul. But when they went back to the higher realm, they heard they heard a child crying. And mm. so they had to come back and help and come back. And they made the agreement that they'll keep coming back to help until no more help is needed, which will never be. So that's what, I, what I've learned too. Well, you know, just to, to respond to that, um, again, it's my understanding through regression that once a soul reaches, let's just say eight and beyond, eight and higher on that 10 point scale, whether they're earth-based, interplanetary or angelic, they have the choice to keep coming back. And the reason they come back primarily is to aid humanity's evolution. Yes in one way or another. I love when you talk about in your book, um, bringing your soul to light. And you talk about how some souls are in kindergarten and some are in grad school. And this is so important. And it's so important for us not to judge and to understand that. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I mean, if a soul, Probably a couple of ways to look at this. Um, so, so if someone is, uh, is is an embodied soul and they're a four or a five on a scale of ten, they're working on um, lower levels, not negative things, but lower levels of of evolution. We've all been ones. We've all been twos. We've all been threes. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like, We've all been there. Um, and so that they are simply working on gaining 
different skills. It's just like a child in fourth grade isn't taking high school senior level math, isn't even ready to take high school senior level math. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a, it's just a progression. But another way to look at this, or and I always hate the word but, and another way to look at this is um, often if I'm working with an interplanetary soul client. Now, let me let me just say, and I think I said this earlier, but but often clients will come in for a regression, come to me for a regression, and they'll learn things about themselves that they never even considered learning that will be highly beneficial. But most regression clients, um, what's revealed in a regression is beneficial and sometimes not what they thought they would be learning. Um, And if I'm working with an interplanetary soul client and that client may not yet know and understand that they're, they're a soul that doesn't typically come to earth, that 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 client may be struggling with issues of being embodied on earth because this is not the place they normally come. Mm. So that's like me. Totally. Like you never quite fit in. Right. I've always felt like that my whole life. I don't know what I am, but. (laughs) Never quite fit in. And then struggled with all kinds of things and, you know, struggled with allergies, struggled with digestive issues, Mm. struggled with, you know, attention deficit issues, autoimmune disorders, energetic problems. Um, And yet, and and, and this is what I, I, I want listeners to hear loud and clear that if you are an interplanetary soul, um, you came into body because you are evolved, not, you know, not a 10 on a scale of 10. I don't know that anyone really per se is a 10 on a scale of 10, but you brought your wisdom because you're an interplanetary soul. You come from a highly evolved culture in the universe and you agreed at the soul level to come to earth because earth needs your wisdom, your perspective, your, sage knowledge. Mm-hmm. Do people ever go backwards? I mean, do they ever, are they ever in grad school and then they go back to a number two? No, can't. it's always evolving. You, it's always, you can't go backwards. Yeah. Do you think that um, when, when this earthly life is over for you, do you want to come back? You know, that, that's a great, that's a, that's a great question. Because uh, I don't, I don't want to. I've made it very clear there. <laughs> I'm, I'm like done. <laughs> well, couple, couple comments, um, Marla, that, that's great. I, I love the kind of organic nature of conversation like Me this. Too. Because it, it melds into what it, where it needs to be. Um, okay. So I think we're talking about two or three different things. One is, so I know I'm an earth-based soul. I've been coming here ad nauseum for a long time. Um, And so more than likely I will come back partly because I'm an earth-based soul. So I mean, do I love all the things that go on in our human culture? Not necessarily. But if you're not an earth-based soul, which 
you're probably right about yourself that 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 you may well be interplanetary then then it would almost make more sense for you to say oh my gosh i don't know if i want to go back to earth the other really important piece is we of course we have a higher self we only yes. have a portion of our soul and body our higher selves mine yours anyone's our higher selves have responsibilities and uh agreements commitments in the higher realm so just because we don't come back necessarily doesn't mean we're going to get to go you know lay by the swimming pool and oh, right. drink, drink mai tais and you know eat chips all afternoon because yes. um, that's not what souls do souls have have commitments and agreements mm-hmm. i'm at times aware and i teach people to do this too i'm at times aware that something has shifted with the uh agreements of my higher self and that will at times affect me until i adjust to it or i just accept that the reason i've had two or three nights of choppy sleep or a couple of days of just feeling sort of off. Um, And once my higher self adjusts and then I adjust, then those symptoms go away. But our souls have jobs. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, I've interviewed and I've also had a lot of personal experience with mediums where um, people on the other side have talked about the work that they're doing, you know, helping people come in and transition or even children or whatever it may be. Very important jobs on the yeah. other side. Yeah. Yeah. There are many different responsibilities on the other side that relate to coordination of groups of, how can I say this simply? Um, the higher realm has what we might call councils. Yes. There- I wanted to talk to you about that. Yeah. Yeah. You want me to go there? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, again, it's my understanding from regression. Um, Let's talk for just a minute about earth-based souls. So in the higher realm, um, the frequency, the higher frequency tied to earth, there are experienced souls that make up what we would call a high council, meaning those souls come together in the spiritual realm to try to come to agreement about how to help humans, how to help guide humans. I can tell you that those there's nothing perfect about souls in the higher realm. They may not always agree with uh, how to guide humans, but it is their job to work to coordinate um, the work of guides, the, the, the lives of humans as best they can. Um, there is an interplanetary council. There is also an angelic realm council. Mm-hmm. But the councils, they don't get all emotional. And I mean, it's still all done in unconditional love, I'm sure. Yes, it, it is done in um, respectful. Yes. Uh, conversation that is not uh, negative or defaming or uh, heavily conflictual. Mm-hmm. So is almost all your work, this kind of work now? 
I mean, like uh, today, mostly past, um, past life regressions and the other regressions. My work at this point and has been for quite a long time is exclusively regression. I also do what I call spiritual mentoring, which is a yes. form of counseling from a soul perspective. Um, I teach people how to guide regression. I also teach virtual courses um, about soul and all of this kind of uh, detail. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So what, what does Earl think? Is he really proud of you? You know, I mean, our journey together, we, we've been together uh, over, well, we've been married almost 55 years. Um, <laughs> and so we've been together a bit longer than that. Um, many things have changed in our life, as you would imagine. He is equally spiritual as I am. And he's a very net, he's actually a channel. He doesn't channel and do private sessions. Um, he channels only for us, but he is actually more intuitive than, than I am. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. An interesting household. Well, I know we need to wrap it up um, soon, but I would like to talk about Ascension and what define it and why, why is it important to understand Ascension? You know, people use that term in lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, if we think about an individual soul and ascension, then we're talking about ascending that, we might say that ladder of soul evolution. And the higher we climb, the more wisdom we gain. Um, it might mean we no longer incarnate, that an underscore might mean. It also means our responsibilities as a soul expand and and grow. Yes. Um, and, you know, some people talk about ascending of the earth or ascending of the human culture. In my opinion, the human culture still has so many unresolved issues. Um, uh, you know, okay. we're not, we're not anywhere near that. So, but I think so many different people use that term in, in a variety of ways. So an ascended soul can be a soul that is no longer incarnating, but then takes on huge uh, coordination and guide responsibilities from the higher realm. So it's almost always like growing, really ascending. It's a much bigger word, divine word. But... So Linda, if you could take a walk knowing all that you do today, if you could take a walk with your six-year-old self, mm. what would, what would you say? Hmm. That's a, that's a cool question too. Um, boy, I think I would say, <laughs> that's so interesting. Um, I would, I would say you have no idea where your life is going to go. And if you did, you might be surprised. Um, you are, you will gain a lot of sense of confidence in how you live your life that you don't have now. Um, I think I'd say, take time to just be six. Yeah. Just be a six-year-old because you soon will be seven and eight and 
you know, so on and so forth. Um, but I truly think I would say there are some very exciting, demanding, fascinating things coming. And it has to unfold all in due time. Yes. Beautiful. Are there any um, words of wisdom or anything like you'd like to say that, that I haven't asked? You know, I think I, I think I would just say to people to really as much as they can to trust that they are always being guided, that guides support us at all times mm -hmm. and to pay attention to doors that seem to look maybe not fully open, but cracked open and pay attention to doors that don't open. And that, in my opinion, means the direction, um, the opportunities you have and maybe a direction you're not meant to be going. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Linda. This has been so much fun. And if people want to find you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, let me just say thank you. It's always my pleasure to do this. So thank yes. you for inviting me and doing what you do. People can find me um, at my website. And it is uh, three words run together. Raven, like the bird. Heart, like the heart in your chest center, the American spelling, not the uh, British spelling. So ravenheartcenter.com. I am doing almost all of my work just like this on um, actually on Zoom. Mm -hmm. So um, I used to travel a lot and COVID changed that. And I, so I'm very accessible now. Um, and, and so ravenheartcenter.com. And if people have questions, they're welcome to write to me. Wonderful. Well, yeah. thank you so much. It's been a joy. Great. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Have, give give um, Colorado a big hug from me. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank have, you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at Interviews with Innocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.